0: Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 116. We want to thank our sponsors that make this show possible. This week, we have two sponsors, Grant Rising. It's a soon-to-be Kickstarter project. You can find it at grant-rising.com. A fascinating look at the history of Ulysses S. Grant told through the maps of his campaigns. It will soon be on Kickstarter, and that's found at grant-rising.com. The other project is Drew Tablack, a up-and-coming young artist who is a Disney cast member and cutting a CD. You can find his information at Drew, D-R-E-W, Tablak, T-A-B-L-A-K, dot com. And uh, we appreciate the two of them and the sponsorship of our show. If you'd like to find out information about what's happening with the Game Whisperer, with uh, Kickstarter, with crowdfunding, and with our crowdfunding academy. Be sure to visit com and sign up for our newsletter. You can keep track of all the comings and goings. I just got back from Greenville, South Carolina where I had a great visit talking about the Kickstarter economy. In February I'll be in San Ramon, California. In April it'll be in Menlo Park and in between there's a whole bunch of other places that will be. So be, vi- be sure to visit thegamewhisper.com and sign up for our newsletter to keep track of all the information that's going on. My guest today is a gentleman who um, sat down, decided that he liked board games and liked the idea of uh, Kickstarter and created himself with a partner of board game and was very successful on Kickstarter with a game called Viticulture. My guest is Jamie Stegmeyer, the co-founder of Stonemeyer Games. Jamie, thanks for joining me on the show.
1: Hi, Richard. Thanks for, thanks for
0: having me. Well, this is kind of exciting. Uh, you and I have talked a little bit, and your game... Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, Viticulture, just kind of, you know, the the Kickstarter project because it launched earlier this year, and it it was very successful.
1: Sure. Yeah, uh, Viticulture is the uh, strategic game of winemaking, and uh, I've been designing it over the last about a year and a half, and I launched it, I believe, on August 23rd of this past year. I ran a project. I think it ran for about uh, maybe 42 days. Our goal was 25000 we reached that in about two weeks and then we went on to raise a total of about 66000 towards the production of that game.
0: So it's not very often you hear strategic winemaking or winery <laughs> uh, and, and that's kind of – so I'm intrigued by this, Jamie, because a couple of things are going on here. One, uh, you're not that well-known in the board game industry. So it's not like you had a history or a track record. Yet your game did very well. It's not like you picked a topic that's going to resonate with hardcore board gamers. Where – can I – first of all, tell us how you decided to do a board game on wineries and why you think that did as well as it did because you had nearly a 1,000 backers, which as, as Kickstarter goes on, we're starting to realize the number of backers sometimes is actually more important and a harder number to crack than the, the actual money that you raise.
1: Right. Yeah, and that was actually a major goal of mine, to to have as many backers as possible, even if that didn't necessarily translate into overall funding. Just because I figured the more people engaged and involved, and that's the more people who are spreading the word um, to people who might be interested in buying the game or, or pre-ordering the game. But uh, the the idea for Viticulture uh, stemmed from a combination of the theme and some mechanics that I wanted to work into a game the idea was that uh, the the wine part came in because it's a fairly accessible theme. I think there are a lot of people out there who have not been introduced to strategical board games or strategy board games, and uh, and may be turned off by some of the the more uh, deeper genres like like fantasy and science fiction that that I love, but but not everyone is gonna is gonna gravitate towards a strategy board game like that. They might stick with some of the more social party games. Um, And and so I wanted – I think that the term gateway game is thrown out there a lot, and I'm not sure Viticulture is quite that game because it's a little bit more complex than a uh, a Settlers of Catan-type gateway game. But I did want at least an accessible game to a broad audience. And and in the end, when I ran the uh, the survey to find out the type of people who backed the the project – um, I, w- I was surprised because there were very few people who said that they they backed the project simply because they love wine. There were a lot of people. I would say sixty percent of the backers both loved board games. They already had an existing love for board games, and they loved wine. Uh, so that was indicative to me that maybe that was a specific niche market that that I hit there.
0: How interesting! Because it's not exactly a niche market that you went out and researched. Okay, how, right. many, how many people drink wine while they're playing board games? Right. How, how interesting. And so you, you picked this. Were you a little nervous about the topic when you decided to, to actually launch this and say, can we find enough people who are going to be kind of uh, interested in this kind of this obscure uh, topic?
1: Well, it, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a wager. I wasn't quite sure how it would turn out. Um, I, I really didn't even know if we would reach our funding goal. But what I did know is that there is a certain even me. I don't drink a lot of wine, um, but I love the idea of drinking wine and talking about wine, and even the idea of the romanticized idea of um, of running a winery and running a vineyard. Uh, there's something about that. I think we see that a lot in farming board games. There's there's something like not many people actually want to go out and till the land and and breed cows and all that. But in a board game format, there's something romanticized about that, and so I wanted to encapsulate that into a winemaking, a winemaking game. Sure. I spent a part of my childhood living on a pig farm in Minnesota. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not very romantic. There's uh about sh- right, right. Sh- cleaning up after pigs. All right. Now, your project. We won't even. We won't even go to that side of it. Your project. Um, you kind of approach to this and, and the reason, Jamie, I, I have you on the show is because our listeners are going to be sitting there saying wow, how can I do what he did and, and that is not create a wine game but how can you, because you and I talked you took an idea, you said I want to do this I want to be successful, I'm going to go launch this thing and, and you, you admit that you're not sure you were going to hit your goal but you've right. you surpassed it significantly enough for you probably to you know to turn around and do this again Tell me some secrets, and we can't get into the details of every all of them in, in the short amount of time we have, but share some of the secrets um, with my listeners or, or tips or strategies that you use to actually find some success, because you did
1: some very unique things with your Kickstarter project. Sure, um, sure. Um, I have a few things I can mention. You can, you can stop me if you want to talk more in detail about any of these as I go. Uh, I think one of the big ones was that I offered a, a money-back guarantee to Kickstarter backers within the first month of them receiving the game. Whereas if they didn't like the game or for whatever reason at that point, if they didn't want the game, they could send it back to me and I would send them a full refund of their Kickstarter pledge.
0: And, and that wasn't a stretch um, goal. That wasn't a pledge level. That was just part of your
1: campaign. That was part of my campaign, yeah, and a lot of that was establishing trust with an audience that that didn't know me, and, and because, I, like you said, I'm not established. They didn't know, they had no idea really if the game would be any good, and so I wanted to establish that trust from the get go. And also, I've noticed on Kickstarter, it's it's. I offered that only to Kickstarter backers. I'd like to offer that maybe to everybody, but I think that's a neat thing to offer just to Kickstarter backers because they're placing this trust in you that you're gonna deliver a product six to eight months down the road. and they they don't really know. I, there's a there's a lot of trust there. and uh, I, I wanted to show right up front that uh, that I was I was a, a trustworthy project creator. And uh, you finish
0: in August. when's the game due out? The game is due out in, in May. Okay. So this coming May, people, this is going to start showing up on their uh,
1: doorsteps. Uh, are they going to remember that you gave them a money-back guarantee? I will remind them. I'm not going to beat them over the head with it, but I will, I will let them know uh, that that's on the table because what I, what I don't really want to happen is I don't want someone to play the game for six months and then say, I'm tired of playing this game. I want to return it now. Because I think that's the case with a lot of board games. You play the game for a while and then you grow out of it. I'm giving them that one month time frame to, to give the game a try and then return it to me if they're not happy with it. Okay. So, so do means- you have any predictions on how many, what percentage of backers will return it? Uh,
0: the percentage will be so low you won't even be able to measure it. You might get okay. you might get one or two people. You know, I've done money back guarantees uh-huh. type things or made offers like that. And it really does set up the trust and then what you find is that people are very good people at their heart and unless they feel that, oh my gosh, I made a total mistake and I want my money back, most of them are saying, you know, I trusted him, he trusted me, I'm not going to violate that trust. And and that's where you find most people when you deal open and honestly with them. So I'm going to guess that you might get one or two, maybe. Okay. Maybe. That would be my Uh, guess. I hope you're right. Well, in May we will we'll check, won't we? Yeah, I'll let you know. So, but a money back guarantee isn't going to uh, necessarily get you a thousand backers or nine hundred and sixty two back forty two backers. What else did you do right. to actually just get those numbers? Those are just those are really good numbers.
1: Right. Well, I think there are, there are two other uh, key things that I did, and, and one. Uh, this isn 't necessarily attracting more backers, but it it involved establishing deeper relationships and engaging my existing backers, which I think uh, i don 't have the numbers about this up, but I think that if you have solid relationships with your backers it uh, it kind of gives them it inspires them to tell other people about the project and so what, what I did is that I sent um, individual personalized thank you notes to every single one of the 942 backers, uh, within 24 hours of them making their pledge.
0: Not just a, Hey, thank you for being a backer. You know, but I get, I get those generic, I guess, automated responses when I back a project. Right. And so you sat down right. took no, the these were per- and like- sent, sent these people a personal thank you.
1: Yeah. And, and when I started, actually made this, uh, Easier than I thought. Kickstarter, if, if you click on someone's name, a backer's name on Kickstarter, you can often see, if they've allowed it, you can see other projects that they've backed. You can see uh, their location, and you can see, if they've written it, you can see a bio about that person. And so for every whenever a pledge would come in, I would click on a person's bio and find out as much information as I could about them. And uh, maybe they had backed another project that I had backed, a board game project, or, or even some other project. Uh, Non board game projects, and I I look at their location. You know, I, I have a lot of. I think we all have some connection to most major cities in the U.S. and and perhaps the world. And so I'd I bring that up in, in some way just to let them know that they were not a number to me, that they were an actual person, and that I, I was grateful and truly was grateful for their pledge.
0: Okay, so that's yeah. a, that, and that's a great one because now they're going to know that you're paying attention to them. Uh, right do, do you think that led to them then increasing your numbers
1: I I I do I mean it, like I said I think it, it it may have inspired some of them to tell their friends about the game or tell other people about the game and I think for uh, others I think Kickstarter is it's a lot about getting someone in the door getting someone to back your project and then if they really like what you're doing, getting the, uh, upselling them, getting them to increase their pledge to a new level, a higher level. And I think a number of those backers that, that came in maybe and just bought a, an early bird copy of the game or, or a copy of the game then upgraded to add the expansion onto the game or added one of the, the customized levels. And I think that personal personalized relationship helped, helped them do that, helped them feel good about doing that.
0: And so uh, but still, so th- those are useful. but I know I have sure. I know I have
1: listeners who are still saying, yeah, but how did you find a thousand people to come back your project? Okay, yeah, that, that's that's the, uh, the the third component that I did. And I don't think this is all that unique. Uh, I th- I've seen a lot of project creators do this, but, during the campaign, I made it a goal to write one, at least one guest blog entry, or do one interview on a board game or Kickstarter-related blog. Um, uh, one a day during the campaign, every day. And the hold
0: on, let's let's make and, sure my listeners understand what you just said. Uh, your project ran for forty days, right? Are you saying that you tried to make sure that you showed up on somebody's blog somewhere on the internet with a guest blog or a post? Every day for forty days,
1: I tried. I, I did not quite succeed it, but if you, you, go set, to, but you set um, that as a goal that you I would, set that as a goal yeah and so yeah. so you're gonna sh- you're going
0: share a piece of information We're down just to the last couple of minutes. How did you okay,
1: go ahead you go because my head's kind of wrapping trying to wrap around that um, okay and if I, I'll say the, to the the listeners if you go to stonemeyergames.com and I'm sure Richard you 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 can spell out that name on on the podcast and you click on the media tab you can see all of the different places where the viticulture received a mention or a review or a preview or something like that um, and it, and the key for me when I when I did that when you because it's it's easy for you to email board game bloggers and ask them to interview you or do a review or write about it. It's, I mean, you can even send out a mass email to all of them, which I highly discourage. I, I, don't like mass emails in that format. Um, but what I did is I, I tried to offer something to their audience. So I would contact a blog, even a blog that maybe I hadn't read all that much. I would read their blog, which I think is a big, a big, uh, factor, actually reading it and knowing what they actually write about. And then I, I tried to figure out something that I could offer their audience. So I, I didn't make it about, I tried not to make it about me, even though I wanted people to eventually go and check out Bit to see if they liked it. But I, I wanted them, I wanted to offer their readers something. I made it about them, um, which I'm, I'm sure is a philosophy that, that you know quite a, a lot about. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Okay, you know, and we're, we're down to our last minute, Jamie.
0: Um, will you come back on the show?
1: I'm happy to come back.
0: Yeah. Here's, uh, here's, here's what I want to talk about. We're going to come back and break down your campaign because uh, responding with an email takes a lot of work. Great topic. Um, money back mm-hmm. guarantee, great offering. Uh, but unless you get in front of people and they know about it, those things don't come into play until after the fact, right? But what you've done is you sat down and very systematically and disciplined yourself to do this. And that, I think, is going to be very interesting to a lot of uh, my listeners who are getting ready for their Kickstarter project no matter if it's a board game or it's a movie or whatever it is. And how you went about identifying and approaching and talking about it and setting up your project, I think there's a lot of interest there, a, a lot of people, if you'd be willing to come back.
1: I'd love to go back and, and talk about that, and I will throw this in real quick if I can. Sure, I would suggest I waited until the project started to start to establish those relationships, and I'm fortunate that I was able to establish many of them. But I would highly recommend to your listeners that they start to, start to establish those relationships today, whether it's commenting on those blogs or contacting blogs that they love and just establishing that relationship right now. Don't wait until they need something. Wait, wait, and uh, just. You know there's no harm in, in starting that today and that's
0: and that's the advice that uh, really that I use that re- uh, an analogy of one of my videos where I talk about it's like going to a football game, uh-huh. having to kick off and then inviting the fans yeah right not it's, not like, it's like whoops. <laughs> you need right. people in the seats. Well, this, is, this has been great. This is great information. And again, uh, you've been listening to, for my listener's sake, this is, uh, this is Jamie Stegmeyer. Jamie is uh, the co-founder of Steg- stone Meyer Games. And let's just spell that out real quick. Stone as in stone. And then Meyer has that extra E. M-A-I-E-R. Right. Right? So Stonemeyer right. Games. You'll be able to find a link on the GameWhisperer.com's website with, with the blog. But... Um, Jamie, this has been great. I certainly appreciate the time that you've taken to uh, to sit down and, and, and talk with me. And let's plan. Uh, let's you know. Let's do a, a quick turnaround here on uh, on having some folks as we start the new year. I know a lot of people are kind of waiting for the holidays to be over to launch their Kickstarter campaign. I think this would be a great sure. a great t- topic for them to, to to listen to. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk more about it. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you for having me, Richard. All right. Listening. Thank you. Hey. Don't go away. Let me just wrap up here. <laughs> You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My name is Richard Bliss, the host, and my guest has been Jamie Stegmeyer with the co-founder of Stonemeyer Games. And we've been talking about secrets and some of the success that you can have by pursuing relationships. His three things were money-back guarantee, deeper relationships by sending out personalized uh, contacts, but the big one was… Every day his goal was to show up somewhere on somebody's blog, some comment, and bring value to them, and in return they'd bring value to him. And he saw nearly 1,000 backers, so he had some success. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've heard something that was inspiring. I know I have. We'll look forward to your Kickstarter project in 2013 so that we can back it. Thanks for listening. Take care.